time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. So um, we know from the other accounts, this is the north edge of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people began, they followed him, and they saw, because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Now, it's interesting that John uses the word signs. Um, The book of Acts also will use that word signs. They don't call it miracle, they call it signs. And, And John uses that for a specific reason. It's because of the miracles of Jesus, they saw that as a sign that he was the Messiah. Okay? And so that's why he uses the word sign and not just miracle. It was a miracle that was pointing towards something. So we have signs on our highways, right? And we have signs all over, right? And signs tell us, hey, there's something coming ahead, or, right? It's preparing us for something. In other words, these miracles were preparing. They were um, foreshadowing. They were pointing, not foreshadowing, but they were just pointing ahead to what Jesus was going to do and who he was. They were an indication. So that word means, it's actually simian is the Greek word, but it is a sign, it's a token, it's an indication that something is real. And it was affirming the ministry of Jesus, all right? And so they were following him because of the miracles and the signs. Then Jesus went up on a mountain, on a mountainside, and he sat down with his disciples, and the Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, hey, what shall we buy where should we buy bread for these people to eat? No, man, isn't that just a great question of Jesus? He's a delegator, right? Hey, Philip, where are we going to get enough bread for all these people? All right, and we're not just talking, you know, four or five people, right? We're talking 5,000 men plus women and children. So it easily could have been 10,000 people or more. That's a lot of people, folks. It's a lot of people. He did this. He asked this only to what? to test John. Isn't that just cruel? For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages, and some of your translations say so many denarii, like 200 denarii, to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And so the, the NIV kind of does the math for you, and it says, it says two, like uh, eight months wages, right? And some of yours said uh, 200 denaries. A denarii was a was a what you would get for working a whole day. You would get one denarii, okay? And so they're doing the math for you. All right. So what do we t- what can we take away? We we know that Jesus has already knew what he was going to do, but he he looks to Philip and he says, "Hey, where are we going to get enough bread for all these people?" And Philip's kind of thinking, "Well, why is that even my responsibility? Why is that our responsibility? Right, right." Um, but they had come out to this desolate place. There wasn't a McDonald's nearby. There wasn't any fast food. It was a remote place, okay? And, and so, and they had traveled a long distance just to get to that place, all right? And so he says, hey, what should we do? Now, we know that a good teacher, we have some teachers in the room here, often a teacher knows the answer to the question, but he asks the student, hey, what is, what is so-and-so, Right? Now, he doesn't do that because he doesn't know the answer or she doesn't know the answer. They do that because they want to know if the student, what their answer will be if they have a solution. In the same way, Jesus is doing the same to his disciples. He goes, hey, I already know what I'm going to do, but I want to see where you guys are at. He's testing their faith. He's testing to know if they're seeing things as he sees them. Isn't that interesting? 
Philip, being the team detail person and mathematician, we don't know if he was that, but he does do, do the math, right? And he goes, you know what? It's going to take eight months' wages, and people will maybe get a bite of food, okay? And he's not saying they're going to be filled up. They'll maybe get a bite of food. There is no way. This is way beyond us. There's no way that we can provide. And they look in the, the, the money bag that they have there. You know, they had a little, you know, cash bag that they would buy stuff, and they looked in there, and there was just no way that they were going to be able to provide for the need that was out there. You ever had that happen in your own life? You have a need, and it's just way beyond what's in your little bag, right? Whether it's financial, whether it is human resources, in other words, emotional energy or strength, or whether it's just something that's beyond you. He's kind of like, man, we do not, I do not have the resources to meet this need. You know, the bill comes due in the mail and it's beyond you. The grocery list is bigger than the money you've set aside. The medical crisis is beyond the doctor's ability. The dream that God has placed in your heart is beyond your abilities. The family conflict is stretching your limits. And a need or a crisis can cause two responses. Either we, we can get stressful and fearful about it or, or we can see it as an opportunity for God to grow our faith, and for God to show up. I don't know which camp you fall in. I know which camp I often too fall into too often, okay? The first principle I see is that need opens the door for the miraculous. Need opens the door for the miraculous. Now, that's not often in the way we see it. We see the need. We see the crisis. We see all that, and we go, man, we are in a tough place. Instead of saying, wow, what a great opportunity for God to provide a miracle, right? That's what our response should be. Instead, we kind of go into that dark place and we go, man, it's beyond me. And folks, I'm not going to step on your toes too much because if I do, I'm going to step on mine, okay? All right, because often, sometimes we see those challenges and we go, um, man, you know, we think that God can, He doesn't own the cattle on the thousand hill, right? But He does. And I think this was, uh, um, you know, I, I asked you this last Sunday, you know, how many were in need of a miracle or wanted to see a miracle? And it was a little bit of a trick question. Why is that? Because in order to see the miraculous, you often have to be in a place of need, right? And often we don't want to be in that place of need. We don't want to need the miracle for healing. We don't want to, have to need a miracle for financial provision. We don't want to have the need for God to heal some relationships that have been broken, we don't want to be in that place because it hurts, it's difficult, it's stressful, right? But it's often in that place of need that we see the opportunity for God to do His thing and for Him to work miraculously. Um, and the thing I want us to catch here is that it's not a, not a matter of when uh, God will test, you know, if God will test your faith. It's a matter of when. He will test your faith. You're His disciple. You belong to Him. And he, he loves you the way you are. All right? But He doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to be like Him. And He wants you to look at life through His eyes with confidence, with faith, with strength, and hope. Everyone that saw Jesus had a need. They were blind. They were deaf. They were mute. They were crippled. They were possessed. They were hungry. They were incurable. If you see a need here today, or maybe you came with a need in your own life, we're going to pray for people at the end. 
um, if you have a need. If you have a need here today, understand that need opens the door for the miraculous. Amen? All right, verses 8 and 9. And it says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here's a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go with so many people? So he, he finds some food, right? But it just seems like it's, it's not enough, right? For 10,000 people, five loaves and two fish. I mean, they couldn't even probably get a crumb, right? There's just no way you could make that stretch in a way that would meet the need. And I often feel like that's where a lot of us often fall, right? We see the need. The need is there. What we have just is not enough to meet the need, right? And we throw our hands up in the air, right? You know, God, and often we expect God to provide in in ways that we think that He can provide that maybe don't take so much of a miracle, right? But God is able to take the little we have, right? And make it more. So, they find, Andrew finds this boy, and we don't know the boy's reaction, if that's not recorded, but they find the boy, I don't know if he comes willingly or grudgingly, you know, right? But they, they find a boy with five loaves and two fish, right? He did not do a good enough job of hiding it, okay? That's all I know, right? All right? Um, he could have withheld his food, he could have probably just ran, he could have kept it for himself, um, but you know what? He became part of the solution, right? And part of the miracle. And said he gives all that he has, right? His five loaves and two fish. Not a whole lot, but it's all he had. And he gave it to the cause. What would you have done that day? What would you have done? Put it in financial terms. Would you have given it all? Your talent, your gifts, your abilities? Or would you have said, no, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep one loaf of bread and a fish for myself, right? And you can have the rest, right? But he gives all that he has. And the point that I see here is that involvement opens the door for growth. Jesus, I believe, could have done this miracle all by himself. He does not need us to do a miracle. He created the heavens, the earth, all that we see without our help. He is God. He doesn't need our help. So why involve us in the process? Why? Because He wants us to grow in our own faith. And even this young boy, you know what? How has his life changed that day? Wouldn't that be so cool to realize, you know what? I I brought five loaves and two fish. Either his mom thought ahead or he was really a forward thinker himself. You know, I'm not sure if he was thinking ahead or if his mom was. One of them was. But he shows up with food, right? But how has his life changed that day? To know that his, his meal that he had fed that whole big multitude. Pretty cool. I believe his life was forever changed. I may get caught up with my notes here. So. And then I think about the disciples. Jesus involved them too, right? He asked Philip, he asked Andrew, hey, what are we going to do, Right? He involves them in that miracle. And even as they are passing out the bread and the fish to all the people that were seated in groups of 50, and to know that they kept giving out of their basket and what happens. 
there's still more there. It doesn't end. They go from one group of 50 to the next group of 50. I mean, there's a lot of groups of 50 there, folks. You know, you take 10,000. There's, I don't know, somebody do the math, okay? There, I need to know that before I end here, okay? Um, he keeps doing it, right? Is it 200? Okay. 200 groups. And they keep giving. And the basket's not empty, right? It's multiplied. Why does Jesus involve us? Why? Because when we're involved, not only it helps our faith grow, right? God could have totally done it by himself without their help, without their involvement. Okay, now take it to you and I. God could just do a miracle without your help. But he maybe wants you to stress a little bit. He maybe wants you to fret a little bit. He maybe wants you to cry out to God and get serious and desperate. Why? Because he wants your faith to grow. And I don't always like those times, honestly. I can lose sleep. I can get an upset stomach. Right? But it's in those times that we learn to trust God and we begin to have eyes of faith like Jesus does to see. The last principle here, we're going to go in verses 11 through 15. Jesus then took the loaves of bread, gave thanks, distributed them to those that were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, all right, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, left, let nothing be wasted. That's interesting. And so they gathered them and filled the 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over by those that were not eaten. So they actually have more bread and stuff left over afterwards than they did before. Isn't that cool? After feeding 10,000 people or whatever. Verse 14, After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet, is the one who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And then you're going to have this. It goes into where he walks on water and stuff. Kind of cool. All right. The third thing that we see, Jesus takes that bread. He gives it to the Father. I mean, he blesses it. Then he gives it to the disciples. They distribute it. And, they, and it goes to all those different people that are seated in the groups of, of a miracle, uh, of 50 people or more. The thing that we see here is that no miracle is too small, right? And no miracle is too big. The bread and the fish were multiplied over and over until each person had enough to eat. And I think that had to have been so cool to be pulling out of those baskets and realize there was still more fish, there was still more bread, right? To see it happen in front of your very eyes. How, how would that change your faith? How would that change your life? I know those times can be stressful and the disciples were wondering, hey, what are we going to do? And then they see it happen and they go, wow. And they would remember those things when Jesus would be gone. He would leave his Holy Spirit, but he would be no longer walking with them. And now they were ministering to people. They would remember those examples and their faith would grow. And there they would see the multiplication of God take place in their own life. The third principle, and I kind of referred to it a little bit already, is that little becomes much in the Master's hands. Little becomes much in the Master's hands. 
whether it's our talent, whether it's our skill, our knowledge, our experience, our strength, our effort, our resources, our faith. When we entrust it into God's hands, little can become much in His hands. Amen? And I think sometimes we think, God, we see the need that is there. This is just where the rubber meets the road, and we think, it's way beyond me. And what God wants to say is to us is see things through my eyes, through my faith, and believe me and trust me. And I realize that this could go maybe even into a hyper-faith direction where we, we get all crazy and stuff like that. I think there is that chance of that. I, what I th- see, though, is that most of us struggle just to have the faith that God calls us to live by. There's a few people that go off on the deep end, right? But I think most of us struggle with just seeing faith to meet that immediate need. Amen? Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen? He is able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And often I think we don't ask big enough prayers of God. We, we, we ask our prayers are way too small. Why? Because we think, well, we ask a prayer of faith with what we think God is able to accomplish instead of meeting the need that is out there, right? So now the youth, they got 5,000. That's going to be a pretty good big thing for them. But I believe God can do that. If they trust God, it's going to be an opportunity where they can partner with God and see how God's going to provide that need, you know? Um, And we've done that as a church financially, but also in different areas where we've uh, prayed for different needs and God has has met those needs. God is able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And so Jesus would not, this would not be the only test. In fact, they would go right into another test where where he walks on water and the waves and the wind come up and they think they're going to sink and Jesus comes walking out to them and they think he is a ghost, right? And uh, he calms the wind, calls the waves. God is able to do more than we can ask or think. He's going to stretch our faith. He stretched their faith and he's going to stretch yours as well. And often I think sometimes those things happen in our life and we think, God, why has this happened to us? Don't you love me? Don't you care about me? Right? We have our little pity party, right? We invite people and share with them, right? And instead God is saying, hey, I'm in this. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. And I want to see your faith grow. And that need then becomes the opportunity for the miraculous to happen and take place. God doesn't want us to live in desperation. He wants us to live in a hunger for Him, but also to believe Him for the great things. He is able to do more than we can ask. And He calls us in Hebrews, it says, come boldly before His throne of grace to find help in your time of need. Boldly, okay? Not reluctantly, not sheepishly, not grudgingly, boldly. That is the challenge for you and I, all right? I'm going to have the musicians come. How are you facing the challenges in your own life, the needs that are there? Are you using, losing those hours of sleep? Are you uh, stressing? Maybe you got an ulcer. 
Maybe it's acting out in different things. Okay? Those things do show up physically in our life, right? And emotionally. Maybe it's caused depression in your life. I don't know. Those are, that's how we respond to things in our own life when the need seems greater than our capacity, our ability. And what stood out in the ministry of Jesus is that He did these miracles and, and these signs that pointed to that, hey, He was the Messiah. He was God. And all I'm saying is that could God be challenging you this morning, maybe in your need, that He just wants to prove Himself faithful. We talked about that, right, in the, in the songs earlier. He wants to prove Himself faithful. He wants to stretch your faith that you see, you know what? This is not beyond God's ability. He is able to do what He promised. And He could just do that for anybody, but when He does that through you and through your prayers, it's kind of like, wow, God heard my prayer. See, now your faith is growing. It doesn't matter if somebody else has faith to believe for things. That's great. But what's cool is when your faith is stretched. And now you read Scripture and you come to God and you write... There's faith being activated in your own life. That's what's cool, right? That's what's cool. God wants to stretch your faith. He's stretching mine, okay? He's stretching mine all the time. But God wants to stretch yours. And when you place all that you have in His hands, little can become much as you entrust it to Him. And God loves you. He doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to become like Him, living a life of faith, of confidence, and of courage. Do I need to repeat that? He wants you to live a life of faith, confidence, and courage. You could say, you know what? Yeah, if the economy was doing better right now, I could have that feeling. Right now, I don't feel very confident about things. Really. So your faith is all dependent upon our economy. should be based upon Christ. Our economy, the world events are going to be up and down. They have been since you were born. And they are going to continue to be like that, right? And it could even get worse before Christ returns, right? If your faith is based upon what you see in the news and the things happening around you, you're going to be in a terrible place. It has to be based upon who He is and that He's walking with you. And so if you hear the voice of Jesus in your prayer time, He says, hey, so there's a big crowd coming. What do you think we should do? There's a big bill coming. What do you think we should do? There's a big health need coming up. What do you think we should do? All right? Go to Him. Hear His heart. Don't trust your own emotions or feelings, but go to him and say, God, what are you wanting to do? I know you already have a plan. What is it? Show me and give me the faith to believe you and trust you. Amen? We, um, I, I can't share a message like this and then we just go home and eat because I know that there are people here and maybe there is a need. I don't know if it's financial or relational, health-wise, but I, I, I know that in a group our size, there's people here with a need. And so I'm going to invite a few of the people, Gary and Mary, if you can be over here, and Christy, if you maybe come over here. And I'll, I'll take center here. 
And if you have a need this morning, we're just going to open up the altars you come and share that need. We're just going to agree with you in prayer. And um, sometimes we think it's the prayer of the other person, okay? And uh, we got some people of faith up here, but you know what? We'll partner with you, but you come in your own faith, all right? Does that make sense? You come in faith. I don't know what the need is, and it's, you know, if you want everybody to know, great. But if you don't, just share it with them. And let's believe God for Him to multiply a few loaves and a fish. Amen? Whatever those may be for you, I believe that God is able to do it. Amen? Father, this morning we just come before you um, just with humble hearts, Lord God. Too often the challenges of life, the events of life, just reveal how human we are, Lord. Um, But Lord, you stepped into our world when you walked on this earth, Lord God. You stepped into people's pain, their misery, um, their life. You healed the sick. You raised the dead. You opened the eyes of the blind. You set the the oppressed free, Lord God. And even on one day on a mountainside, you provided food where there wasn't enough food so that people could be refreshed. They'd have strength to make the journey back home. God, you care that much about us that you don't want us to go hungry without. You love us. You cherish us. You have our best interests in mind. And so, Lord God, give us the faith to trust you. Give us eyes to see with eyes of faith, Lord God, that you're more than able to do than we can ask or think. Help us to put our faith and our trust in you, Lord God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, God is faithful. Amen? I think some of the most um, desperate prayers that I remember praying is when my child is sick has a fever, just, you know, not doing well. Maybe it's a family member, right? Or maybe, you know, there's been those times we got a bill. We're going to install a new heating system. Been saving for it, but, you know, we saved, you know. A few months ago, that was before the, all the inflation, so now it's 30% higher, right? So, you know, you just... You have to trust God that He's going to provide for all those things, right? And if, if, prayers, if prayers don't work at home where the rubber meets the road in our everyday things, then our faith is in vain, folks. And I believe that God is, He hears our prayers here, but He hears those prayers at home uh, in those desperate times, in those difficult times. It can be a healing of a marriage. It can be healing of body. It can be healing of finances. It can be all those things. Amen? Father, this morning, we, we thank you that we can come to you, Lord God. And that you are able to do more than we can ask, think, or even imagine, Lord God. That's your word. That's your promise. You call us to boldly. Help us to come before you. Help us to, to put faith in trust in you, Lord God. And even the one passage says, Lord, the the one man says, give me the faith to believe. And Lord God, maybe that's our prayer saying, God, I know that you say in your word that you can do this, but Lord, give me the faith to believe and trust you to meet the need because my faith is not big enough right now. And Lord God, there's times that we just have to be open to God and say, God, my faith isn't big enough. God, give me the faith to believe you and trust you that you can multiply the food, not just for 10 people for a, or 100 people, but for 10,000 people. Lord, 
God, give us the faith to trust you to meet the need. You are able to do all and so much more. So, Lord God, go with us. Go with us this week, Lord God, and um, remind us of your presence with us, Lord God, and that you're walking with us. And Lord God, let us be salt and light to the world around us because we work with people. We know people. We have family. We have people with needs, and they need somebody in their life that has faith to pray with them, to trust you, Lord God. And so, Lord God, let us be salt and light to the world around us, Lord. We give you the thanks, we give you the praise, and the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise God. Just want to, um, just a need that is, that is um, the Wannicks family, they've been part of our church over the years, and uh, they had a garage fire like a week ago, right? And so it, it did damage a little bit of their house, but they're back in the house, but uh, uh, they're trying to remove the debris from um, the garage that was burnt. I know Chris... Boyer was over there helping them yesterday. They just need some people probably to help out. They just live on the north side of tracks on Main Street there. But if you're able to give a lending hand, you know, you might think, you know what, I can maybe help out for a couple hours. It might not seem like much, but, you know, just sometimes that encouragement. Um, you know, um, they lost all their food in the, in the, in the refrigerator because the power got turned off and some of those things. So Creek Cares is helping out with some of that. But, um, you know, um, they could probably just use some uh, some of our help. Maybe it's just to move stuff, you know. So um, if you need more, Peggy is here. So Peggy is very close to Terry. And so it, it, Peggy can help you out with that. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless this morning. Next Sunday, the bowl is a blessing. And bring some people out. Invite other people. Greet each other as you leave and encourage one another. God bless you this morning.